Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We've been in a series called The Long Game, and we've been focusing on different characters in the Bible who really practiced great faith in their life. And we, basically, we've been concentrating a lot on Old Testament characters found in Hebrews chapter 11. The author of Hebrews has shared some names that represent great faith. And if you read through Hebrews 11, you'll find names like Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. Rahab was the prostitute that uh, she had such great faith that she believed in a God that she didn't even know. She just all of a sudden had faith in the God of the Israelites. All the people who are famous for faith, we find them here in Hebrews chapter 11. However, the person we are going to examine today that I want to really uh, uh, look at today is a man that is listed in Hebrews 11, but his name goes mostly unnoticed. And let me read that to you today. We're going to start at verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11. And before we start that, I want to just encourage you uh, the, the scripture that we're going to be studying today is out of Judges chapter 4. So get your Bibles out. Go find your Bible or get it on your iPad or your iPhone and turn to Judges 4. Stay there for uh, our service today because uh, that's our main reading passage. But right now, Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the other prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. And then we're going to skip down to the last half of verse 34. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies into flight. As many of you know, you probably might recognize Gideon. He was one of the men that was listed there. He's the guy that basically had an army of 32,000 soldiers. And, and God kept on paring that back. He kept on asking Gideon to cut that back, cut that back. And finally, Gideon ends up with just 300 soldiers. And he goes and fights the Midianites and the Amalekites, whose numbers are described that their numbers are as thick as locusts. And guess what? Gideon won the battle because of the Lord's help. Samson needs little introduction. He was the judge who was ruthless against the Philistine. Jephthah is a little bit more of an unfamiliar name. But he served as judge of Israel, who was rejected by his own family. But God used him to defeat the Ammonites. And then there is David, the great king of Israel, who, who slayed the, the Philistine giant Goliath. And then there was Samuel, who was a priest and prophet, who God used in mighty ways, and he was the one who anointed both kings, King Saul and King David. But who is the second guy that's mentioned in this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11? His name is Barak. What about his story? Let me share uh, his story with you today, because I think it will bring hope to all of us as we walk this journey of faith. His story can be found in Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5. During this time, Israel, it's important that we remember that during this time, Israel was facing difficult times. It was caused by their unfaithfulness to God. 
This pattern of unfaithfulness is repeated over and over, through, uh, over and over throughout the Old Testament. Yet we must not forget that there is another pattern that is pe- repeated throughout the Old Testament as well. And that is God's faithfulness, the faithfulness of God. Let's discover Barak's story by starting in Judges chapter 4, verse 1. It states this. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. Ehud was a judge of Israel, and it appears that he was a good judge because during his time, it seems like Israel was at peace and they were not at war, and the Israelites remained faithful unto God. Judges in the Old Testament were leaders that God picked so that he could use them to guide and to lead the Israelites. But after Ehud's death, the Israelites returned to their wickedness of serving other gods. So we're going to continue in this story here, an Old Testament story that many of you might not be familiar with, but I think it's going to be very interesting for you. Starting in verse 2. So the Lord turned to them, Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Haggaiim. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. So the Israelites are now under this oppression because of this Canaanite king named Jabin. He was a wicked king. He was a a ruthless king. And then he also had this harsh, evil commander that his name was Sisera. And he was kind of uh, the general of, of King Jabin's army. It was a very difficult and intimidating time for the Israelites during this time. Sisera would would use his 900 iron chariots to control and monitor all the highways. It would be like uh, us today if you had tanks, speedy tanks or powerful tanks that were running up and down the highway or jets that were coming down the highway and they were just causing havoc amongst the people. This was taking place at this point with with the Israelites. The Israelites were forced... To travel in hiding. In Judges chapter 5, it states that the villages were almost empty. We assume this had to be because of the harshness of King Jabin and his henchman Sisera. In Judges chapter 5, verse 8, it states, Not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 Israelites. And what that really represents is the difficult and dark days for the people of Israel. Now, we're going to keep reading this story in Judges chapter 4, and we're going to start here again in verse 4. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under a palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day, she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali, She said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. And Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. So the Lord has raised up a judge. Her name is Deborah. And Deborah was actually, there's a tree that's actually named after her, Palm of Deborah, where she would make, decide different cases of law during this time. And she would be deciding these cases. All of a sudden, she hears a word from the Lord. And she calls upon a Barak and says, hey, come. I want you to go t- attack this Canaanite army. 
We don't know a lot about Barak, except that Deborah calls upon him to lead this deliverance of Israel. In Judges chapter 5, we can read that Israel's military is not in good shape. It's not ready for this battle against Canaan. Yet Deborah calls upon Barak and asks him to gather 10,000 troops, warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun. After he hears Deborah's request, he places a condition upon her request because he asks, she asks him to lead this army to this attack, which basically looks like a suicide mission. And he, the condition that he puts on her is this, that she would accompany him. Now, we're going to start in verse 9 again, because this is how Deborah responds. Very well, she replied, I will go with you. But you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went uh, with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with them. Deborah also went with him. So Deborah now is accompanying Barak into this battle, but tells, but tells him, you will receive no honor for this venture. This appears to be the penalty for Barak's lack of faith, for not following what, immediately what Deborah had asked. So Barak gets the Israelite army ready, and, Seir, and, and Sisera employs his army, and basically they meet down at this river called, uh, called Kishon, the Kishon River. It's basically, basically the showdown at the OK Corral. Two armies coming together, there's going to be a battle, but Sisera's army, the Canaanite army, has these 900 iron chariots, and it's basically, without God's help, it's a suicide mission. Now let's skip down to verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. How many of you need the Lord marching ahead of you today? So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all of his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harosheth Hagoyim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Let's take just a moment and pray. Lord God, I thank you for this word. I pray, God, today that we'll take this story that's found in the Old Testament and it will become alive to us. And that, Lord God, it will actually strengthen our faith. For this, this series called Long Game, Lord God, which is a journey of faith, which, is what rep, which represents our life, I pray, God, we will take the truth out of this and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. So Barak and the Israelite army win the battle. Not a single person from Sisera's army survived. And as you read chapter 5, you find out the reason the Lord sent the battle to the Kashan River was because a storm breaks forth. And a mighty storm comes in. And we don't really understand all the details, but something took place. Either floodwaters came down the river and these 900 iron chariots were basically all of a sudden now are caught in these floodwaters. Or it maybe became so muddy that the wheels were not turning well. But whatever was the case, the Israelite army was able to catch up to these 900 iron chariots. In fact, what it says is Sisera actually escapes by foot. It gave the Israelites the edge they needed to win this battle. 
For the sake of time, I'm going to summarize the rest of chapter 4, Judges chapter 4. Sisera, King Jabin's general, remember it's King Jabin that's kind of the evil one, and Sisera is his kind of his general, was able to escape from the battle and, and ran into a home of a woman who, whose name was Jael, who was married to Heber the Kenite. And I know these are a lot of weird names, I'm, but I'm going to explain it to you right now. You see, King Jabin was on friendly terms with the Heber family. He, he knew this family. They were on friendly terms. So when, 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 when uh, uh, Sisera ran into his house, he felt like he was in, in safety. And so Jael took Sisera into her home and gave him something to drink and, and, they, and hit, hit him under a blanket. And then, and then Sisera told Jael, hey, if anyone comes to the door, I want you to say that there's no one here. So Sisera is hiding under this blanket and he falls asleep. Now what takes place next is just kind of wild. It's right out of the movies. Jael ends up pit, picking up a tent stake. And she takes it and puts it to the temple of his head. And she drives that tent stake right through his head all the way into the dirt. Right into the ground. It says it in your Bible. I know you don't believe me, but that's what it says in Judges chapter 4. When Barak comes looking for Sisera, Jael shows Barak that she had already killed him. And the Bible states from that day forward, Israel had great success against King Jabin. And eventually King Jabin is destroyed. And this began a period of peace for Israel that lasted for 40 years. So what can we learn from Barak's story? Because he's mentioned in Judges and he looks a little bit like a coward in Judges because he, wasn't, he didn't immediately obey the word of the Lord. But in Hebrews chapter 11, he's all of a sudden the second name that's mentioned in the midst of some famous people of faith. He's mentioned there because of his faith. So what can we learn about Barak's story today that can help us for this long game of life. The first thing is that Barak's faith is based on God's word. Deborah asked Barak to go into battle against the Canaanite king who had 900 iron chariots. This would appear to Barak, like I said before, this would appear like a suicide mission to him, an overwhelming task. Barak's response to Deborah's request seemed to be kind of cowardly. He says, no, 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 I'm going to refuse to go unless you go with me. Deborah, unless you join me on this journey, I'm not going to go. Yet at the same time, it appears that Barak had confidence if Deborah would go with him, he would go. Why? Why would he do that? It, do, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you just read through it. Was, was, was all of a sudden Barak, was he raised a mama's boy and he just needed that encouragement from, a, from an older lady that would be go with him, that just give him that encouragement in the battle? I don't think so. Was Deborah a mighty warrior that he needed in battle? Was, was she one of those Amazon women, women that you see in the uh, Wonder Woman uh, scene, you know, when all of a sudden they're coming down the cliffs and he needs her in battle? It doesn't appear so. Nothing happens in the scripture that says that. So why does Barak need Deborah to go with him? That's the question. Why would, why would all of a sudden he say, yeah, I just need you to go with him or with me? Let's think about it. Think about this thought. God didn't speak directly to Barak. God spoke to Deborah. Deborah was the one who received the word of the Lord, not Barak. She had the passion because she knew in her heart what the Lord had spoken to her. 
logically it would make sense to ask the person who received the word from the Lord, hey, and this is what, this is what Barak does. He says, hey, Deborah, I'll go do this thing, but you got to come with me. And the reason I believe, the reason he asked this question is because she's the one that received the word from the Lord. Barak maybe lacked a little faith, but he didn't want to go into battle without God's direction. And right now, God is speaking through Deborah. I don't necessarily blame Barak for his actions. As much as Deborah needed Barak to lead the army, Barak needed Deborah's, Deborah's divine inspiration on the battlefield. I don't think Barak is cowardly. I believe Barak wanted God's anointing and direction. Barak might have seemed like he was lacking faith, but Barak understood that this wasn't his battle. This was the Lord's battle. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. When Barak is going to go into this mighty battle, he does not want to, which Deborah represents at this point. Deborah is representing the word of God because she is the prophet that, the, that God is speaking to. He wants, he wants her in battle with him. Many times in life when our faith is in crisis, Catch this. I want you to catch this thought right now because I think it's so important. Many times in life when our faith is in crisis, it's because we don't have God's word in our hearts. We don't have God's word resting in our heart. Faith in our life is built upon hearing and knowing God's word. It's knowing God's promises and it's choosing to stand in faith on his word, on his promises. Takeaway for today. Your takeaway. Don't go into battle unless you have God's word back in you. The second thought I want to share with you today. Faith isn't focused on self. Barak's faith wasn't focused on himself. The scripture gives no sign of regret. When Deborah informs Barak that all of a sudden, because you didn't just step out in faith, and now that you're asking me to go with you, guess what? You're not going to have the, the, the victory of this. You're not going to get all the, the, the wonder acc- accolades of this. You're not going to receive that. There's not going to be any honor for you, Sisera, or, or Barak. There's not going to be any honor. Sisera is the arch enemy that he would love to have killed at his own hands. Yet, yet instead, guess what? A woman is going to kill Sisera. It appears that Barak was less concerned about this. He didn't seem like he was overly worried about this. And that his honor, he didn't really was, so, was less concerned about his honor. And he was more concerned about the victory. Barak is representing God's honor. Many times faith can be self-serving in the sense that people use their faith sometimes as a badge of honor. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look at my great faith. Yet our faith should never be about honoring ourselves. Our faith should always be about honoring God. Living by faith is not self-serving. Living by faith is self-sacrificing. It's choosing to lay one's life down for another. It's choosing to lay your, your desires, everything that you have, down for the cause of Christ. I don't believe Barak was afraid of losing his life. I believe he was afraid of dishonoring God. I'll say it one more time. I don't believe Barak was afraid of losing his life. I believe he was afraid of dishonoring God. And in our life, that's where we should be as well. Let's keep on going. Whenever we go into battle, the battle of life, 
our greatest concern shouldn't be, how am I going to look and will I be honored? Our greatest concern should be, how will God be honored? How can I be a reflection of God's glory? The third thought that I want to share with you today from Barak's story is this. Faith works better together. Judges chapter 4 records the battle and victory. Judges chapter 5, if you flip the page over and you go to Judges chapter 5, you'll, you'll see that there's, re, there's a, a re record of a victory song that Deborah and Barak sing together. The second verse in chapter 5 gives us some insight on what happens when faith arises. Listen to verse 2 of this scripture, Judges 5, verse 2. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Ultimately, Deborah's faith and Barak's faith, faith led a nation. And with the thing that came to me when I was studying, I was praying about this, it was just a, a thought that just popped in my head. When leaders are willing to step out in faith, people follow. Not only will they follow, but they will follow gladly. That's what the scripture says. When all of a sudden Deborah and Barak stepped out in faith, the people of Israel followed them straight into battle, and they had a great victory. We as leaders, moms and dads, we as family, or maybe in your business or here at the church, when we are willing to step out in faith, when we believe the word of the Lord, and when we unite together and we step out, we are going to gain victory in our lives. Faith is like a disease. It's contagious. When it starts to catch and when it starts to spread like fire. The Israelites won a huge battle that day because they had faith in God. This is why faith working together can accomplish so much more than we can do individually. Remember that Jesus, when he went into his hometown of Nazareth, and he went to go perform some miracles. It states in Scripture that he could hardly perform any miracles because of the lack of faith that was found in Nazareth. Faith working together can accomplish so much more. It can accomplish so much more in a marriage. It can accomplish so much more in a friendship. Faith working together can accomplish so much more in your family or in the church, or in your business, or in the city, or in our nation. When we have faith together, working together as believers in Christ, we can accomplish so much more. Do you know our Pledge of Allegiance states, one nation under God. This statement was first made by Abraham Lincoln in his famous Gettysburg Address at a critical time of the Civil War. After many lives were lost at the Battle of Gettysburg, Lincoln's hope was that it was not all in vain. His Gettysburg, Gettysburg address included this line, listen closely, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. Abraham Lincoln's faith was in God, that God would reunite a nation. It is stated that during the Civil War, Lincoln overheard someone's remark that he hoped the Lord was on the Union side. He hoped the Lord was on the Union side. And Lincoln responded with a sharp rebuke to this person. This is the words. He says, I am not at all concerned about that. For I know that the Lord is always on the side of the right. But it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and this nation should be on the Lord's side. 
This should be our desire. This should be our hope. That together our faith in God will bring us great victory. That we are united together in faith for a purpose, for a common purpose. The fourth insight that we see from Barak's story is this. Faith in God's word will bring you peace. Looking for peace? Guess what? Get into God's word. The song of Deborah that's found in Judges chapter 5 ends with these words. It says, then there was peace in the land for 40 years. This is a great reminder that peace is found through our faith in God. You will never find peace in fear. I'm going to say it again because some of you need to grab a hold of this. If you want to find peace, peace is going to be found when, when your faith in God, when you put your faith in God, peace will never be found in fear. It's just not going to happen. Isaiah states these words in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. He says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Deborah and Barak brought peace to a nation that was being torn apart by an evil king named Jabin. It all began with their willingness to step out in faith and believe in the word of the Lord. Another encouraging thought that I want to share with you today is this. In Barak's story, found in Judges chapter 4, and that's what we've been reading, that's been our text that we've been reading, it appears that he is weak because he asked Deborah to accompany him into battle. It appears if you just read Judges chapter 4, it seems like there's a time of weakness in Barak's life. But in Hebrews chapter 11, when Barak's name is mentioned, it goes through all those names and it lists Barak's second name in that list of names. And then right after that, in verse 34, it states this. Listen to these words because I think it will be an encouragement to you. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. This is a great reminder for all of us. When our trust is in God, God can turn your weakness into strength. God's grace is sufficient for you, and His power works best in weakness. Being weak enough to say, hey, Deborah, I need you to accompany me into this battle, because the Lord is speaking through you. It's being weak enough when you don't know what to do, be able to just bow down, get on your knees, and say, Lord, I need your help today. I need you to walk with me today as I go into the office because, man, it's been difficult this week at the office. I need you to walk with me, Lord, as I talk to my my wife or my family, Lord. I need to share some things with them, and it's going to be difficult, and I need your spirit with me. I need the word of the Lord with me to lead me, to guide me, because I want to see victory in my life. See, Barak didn't go into battle without having the word of God with him. And I encourage you today, You don't want to go in the battle alone. You need to go in battle with God with you. Today you may feel like the troubles of life are tearing you apart. But remember God's words when he states this in Psalms 34. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. That is a promise that you can stand on today. You can have the same kind of faith that Barak has. When the troubles and the turmoils of life starts coming against you, you can rise up in faith and to believe the promises of the Word of God. Today I encourage you, have faith, and God will see 
you through. It's the long game of life. Get on the journey. Get on the journey of faith. Join us right now as we continue to worship the Lord today. We're going to worship with all that we have. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message. I pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that that message that's spoken, Lord God, will, Lord God, all of a sudden start penetrating our hearts and our minds. And faith, Lord God, faith, Lord God, in you, faith will arise. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.